0: Hey there! Welcome to the What Connects Us podcast, where we explore human connection with people in the province. My name is Mason Gardner, and today we're connecting with Dan Clark from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to chat about being a homegrown rider and pivoting during this past season. Let's go! Okay, we've hit December and our sixth and final episode of this season before we take a bit of a break for the holidays. Don't worry though, we'll be back first week in January, but before we do, we still have one more episode and we've got a good one to cap the first season season of the what connects us podcast. Speaking of seasons, we sure missed the CFL football season this year. And this week we're joined by Dan Clark, who is a homegrown star of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, whether you're a big football fan or not, Dan's story of how he turned down multiple out of province scholarship offers to invest his future in Saskatchewan and work his way to being a professional CFL football player is pretty damn inspiring. We'll talk about that and what this year with no football was like for him and how he navigated this year both mentally and financially because no football games equals no paycheck. Fun fact about me, I used to work in marketing for the Riders for five years before I moved to Conexus and I have seen firsthand just how much of a leader Dan is in the community, on the field and in the locker room and just how much of a character and a true softie Dan is. Get ready for this because it's a good one and it's time to bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. What connects us to Dan? Let's find out. Dan Clark, welcome to the podcast.
1: Uh, thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm sure you are used to having an introduction in front of 33,000 people screaming at Mosaic Stadium, so I apologize for the underwhelming intro.
1: Uh, that's okay. Usually it's a generic one and usually the DBs are running in front of me. So yeah,
0: Totally. Actually, I think we have something that could emulate it a little bit. Oh, yeah. I there like that. Go. Yeah, yeah. Especially <laughs>
1: not hearing it for a year. I like that. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's almost like you're there. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So typically I begin each episode by asking how you've been navigating the pandemic, but I'm sure that will be a big part of your story. Um, instead, let's warm up with a question that I read about you in, inter- in an interview. Um, and it's that you hate trains and tartar sauce.
1: Yeah. I think uh, there's nothing worse than, you know, coming across a train or being in a rush and all of a sudden it's a train. And yeah. You're like, Especially it's in a Regina. typical day on the ring road. Yeah. I got to get the kids to daycare. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? This train is just having a wonderful day just right. going by. As- uh, and then tartar sauce? Yeah, absolutely not. I still can't. Really? There's a lot. There's a lot in my entire life that I haven't liked. Yeah. I was a very picky eater before. And uh-huh. I, I don't look like I was a picky eater. <laughs> but then uh, I've become very, very um, curious of how food tastes. Yeah. And uh, as soon as I got tartar sauce, yeah,
0: yeah. no. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm like that with like Clamato or tomato mm. sauce. And it's just like the consistency of like, you know, when you're on an airplane and that person beside you always orders... Tomato yep. juice or anything like that, and it just swishes beside you. It and it's just, a thick swish. Oh, it's a Ugh. thick swish. Yeah, no, no not happening.
1: No, uh, I used to be the same way with tomatoes. Mm. I hated tomatoes. Yep. and then I've uh, grown to like them. Yeah, especially since that I absolutely love ketchup and how much I use it on everything. Me so. too.
0: Yeah, anything yeah. like tomatoes, anything that my teeth slip off of when I'm eating. Uh, that'd be
1: like hard boiled eggs for me. No thank same, you. Same. So same. Damn, we got. I this, like
0: it. We got a lot in common. We have the same taste in food. Um, all right, let's just jump in with a quick introduction for those who don't know Dan Clark. Uh, tell me, who is Dan Clark? Give me some background or on who you are so we can better understand your story.
1: Uh, I was born and raised in Regina. Uh, absolutely love, you know, continuing to give back to the province. has given me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up in uh, Argyle Park going to Dr. Elam Hannah uh, Elementary School. And then I had opportunity to visit a couple high schools. And as soon as I walked into Tom Collegiate, I fell in love with it. Yeah. And uh, it's a place that I called home for four years and right. absolutely changed who i was as a person and for the better and it it taught me a lot that has carried over to my professional football career and also carried uh, over to my adulthood um and then from there i had many opportunities to go to play football in canada anywhere kind i really wanted Uh and then uh multiple places in the states but um, Jerry Thompson, our head coach at the time with, uh, Tom, uh, Tom collegiate, he asked if I would join the Thunder. Nice. I said, yeah, absolutely. Like Jerry, I'll follow you anywhere. Right. And, uh, went there for, you know, three years, had an opportunity to try it with the riders in 2009. Um, what I thought would just be, you know, just having a, you know, a cup of tea with them yeah. and it turned out to be. 11 years later, going into my 12th year this year mm-hmm. was hopefully be the opportunity, uh, And but uh, COVID had a different right, yep. different uh, choice for that. Yep. So um, other than that, uh, I've spent, would say, past seven years with the Canadian Red Cross mm-hmm. uh, delivering messages of imaginal no bullying mm-hmm. slash healthy relationships and what it's like to, you know, find that relationship that, you know, betters yourself. Right. Um, and absolutely love the work that, uh, you know, it enables me to do in the province. Yep. Um, something that, you know, that means a lot to me, especially being from Saskatchewan is how I represent the brand of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but right. how I also represent the brand of being a Saskatchewaner. Totally. So yep. those are the, those are the things that really make me, uh, I have a wife, her name is Kayla. Uh, I have a four year old daughter, her name is Kendall mm-hmm. and I have a almost two year old little monster named Cash. So yeah. he's <laughs> yeah. he's a handful right now. But
0: yeah. that's that's really my life in a nutshell. Totally. I used to work for the Riders for five yes, years. Yes you did. And uh on the sidelines after every game, my favorite thing was seeing players bring their families on. Yep. And especially the homegrown kids you could tell how special of a moment that is to bring their kids on there and and same with your wife and it seems like you were there almost at the end of every game with your kids
1: absolutely you know it became something that uh as soon as i had a kendall i really learned what it was like to not take a loss so hard Mm. you know or take a win a win for you know that a big emotion take over right because that energy of seeing her run on the football field just playing or Throwing around the ball was something that just took everything away from me. Totally. And I I absolutely love it. Um, And that's one thing with the pandemic that it really hit home was not being able to see my son run for the first time on the football field. Yeah. Especially when he started running and walking and Mm. more sprinting everywhere than anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, It was one of those ones that I was really looking forward to of the season. Yeah. Not only playing football, but to see those moments. And you know what? It is bred into us as being from Saskatchewan as the riders are be all end all for, and you know, a lot of us, not everybody, but that's okay. And a lot of us have, you know, my biggest, fondest memory was crossing the Argyle street bridge and seeing, you know, Taylor field as a kid. Right. And one day looking at my dad, I want to go there to work. Totally. And then from there it's been like, ah, maybe we'll visit that in a couple of years and now I go to work there every totally. single day yeah. and not lately, but yeah. it's been one of those opportunities <laughs> that I I don't take for granted every yeah. single time.
0: Yeah. I felt the same way when I worked at the Riders, You've, you you're up on the, the old colored stands of old Mosaic stadium and you're looking down and you're like, I just want to touch the turf and yeah. feel what that feels like. And then almost every day you're almost hit with that realization. Like, wow, I'm here now. Like I'm actually working on here.
1: Absolutely. And it's, it's tough to go from that dream and mm-hmm. to never let go of it. Yeah. Uh, I still cherish every moment of whether it's 3 a.m., 6 a.m., 9 a.m., strolling into the new Mosaic Stadium and feel feeling like the most spoiled person in Regina yes. is having that facility. Yeah, You know, we have our own everything that we want. Yeah, And to be – Able to live a lot of people's dreams by going there. It's it's something that you don't take advantage of, Mm -hmm. especially being from Saskatchewan. It's it's again one of those ones. Absolutely. It's it's amazing.
0: Totally. So you obviously obviously played for the riders. We just chatted about that. But I don't think we hear enough about how just how homegrown you are and how uh, you made it to the riders. So let's start out with out of high school. I read you had multiple offers for post-secondary education, play football elsewhere, yeah. you said, um, in the state somewhere. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about why you chose Regina, because I think that's every high school football player's dream is I'm going to get a scholarship, I'm going to go out, and then hopefully that leads to professional football. But you chose Regina. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, a lot
1: of it had to do with, you know, no one would sign me to do like a scholarship that if I got hurt, it would be continued to pay for. Okay. You know, there's always major injuries, and we've seen it happen, mm-hmm. you know, to lots of football players where they, they can't play
0: football anymore. Right.
1: So, it, it, my biggest thing is I didn't want my parents to pay for school.
0: Mm.
1: I like school. I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed going to class. There was nothing about it that I really didn't like. Mm-hmm. So when I had that opportunity to decide on what I wanted to do, I didn't know what I wanted to do yet. Yeah. So I really and this is bad to say, I didn't want to waste my parents' money. Right. And or just take basket weaving. Yeah. So, you know, the Regina Thunder was a perfect opportunity for me to continue to work mm-hmm. and decide on what that I wanted my career to be after football. Right. Um, The Regina Thunder was an amazing program that allows you to work, go to school, anything you decide to do, a trade, uh, or just, you know, have a nine-to-five at that point. Mm -hmm. It's that opportunity that it allows you to grow as a person on your decisions of before you go to college or anything like that. So it was a it was a stepping stone for me. Right. And at that time, I was allowed two free years, and then I'd get five years of college after that. Yeah. So for me, it was a perfect example of, okay, I can understand of what a what's it like to be an 18-year-old, you know, young, I would say young man, mm-hmm. at that point going against, at that time would be 23, 24-year-olds. Can I hold my own? Can right. I establish the way that I played in high school? Can I do it at the same level? Right. And then... You know, the Thunder had at that opportunity, we signed a bunch of O linemen out of high school. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of the group that I was just starting to get um, a better understanding of Mm -hmm. uh, of who they were, of how good of guys they were. They weren't just rivals at that point. It's what can we establish and how can we win and make this a winning team? Right. So, you know, being Regina Thunder, it, it, it opened up so many more opportunities for myself. Um, I was able to work throughout the whole entire time that I was with the Regina Thunder. And it, mm-hmm. it was that, uh, it was that able to put that hard work in off the field that really drove me that, you know, football is something that I wanted to do forever. Right. You know, I, I enjoyed the nine to fives I've done. I've done 12-hour days like every other person in an office or, you know, working on a welder, yeah. uh, welding office or, sorry, welding business. And it's one of those ones that it's that work ethic right. that really you strive for on the football field that carries over to when you are in those buildings or you are working somewhere. Mm-hmm. It, it really establishes you as that person of that wants to be there. Right. So, you know, when I really seen football and how it was going for me, That's when it really led to more. Right. So,
0: So welding, that's what you were doing on the side?
1: Yeah. I was actually working for an audio. Um, business innovation, auto sports. Okay, so I was installing car stereos. And, nice, you know that was fun. I enjoyed it. That really, at that point, I was, I was just kind of filling the void until I kind of figured out what I wanted to do. Right. So from there, uh, I worked for a couple of years at Warner Industries, also on the side as you know a service advisor, and mm. you know that was amazing for me because it allowed me to work hand in hand with my dad at times. Nice, and also work for an amazing business that really set the standard of what hard work is to me. Um, and then from there, you know, in two thousand nine. I was approached by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders about coming out to training camp. Okay. So it wasn't really, you're coming straight to training camp to, you know, work for a spot. Yeah. You're basically coming to rookie camp. We'll see how you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the time, and still, Regina Thunder or Saskatoon Hilltops are territorial exempt. In the CFL, so that means they don't really fall underneath the category spot of you know they count as a, a player or a body. Mm-hmm. It's just like a, a allowed to have that freebie. Yeah. So from uh, 2009, and uh, it was go in there, see what I can do. And back then, it wasn't this this style of football where we're in pads one day and the next day it was back to back padded practices. And right. if you didn't like it. The door's to your right and right. you can have a good day. Yeah. So having that opportunity to go in there, um, being twenty years old, I really didn't know how I'd hold up against if you look at thirty-two year olds like at the time, Gene Mikowski mm-hmm. or Jeremy O'Day, or you look on the defensive line, uh at Scott Schultz, yeah, Luke Mullender, guys that I really you, you've they've been a standard of what it's like to be a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Those right. are guys that, like, Can I hold my own? Um and at the time We finished rookie camp, and they invited me to main camp. And we had uh, McGrath was his name at the time who came from Edmonton. Mm. And then he went back to Edmonton, and they said, hey, Dan, you're going to be playing the preseason game in Edmonton. And I was blown away because I wasn't expecting to play. Yeah, your first shot. So uh, a big – Bob Wiley was the O-line coach at the time, and the big reason why I got my shot was because of him. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, you know, thinking, oh, you know, you – You see every other preseason game, and you maybe get a couple plays at the end of the game. I ended up playing like everything but two series of the game. The vets played maybe two series, and then it was it was on the rookies, and it was amazing. How intimidating was that for you? It was very intimidating. But Chris Best was my roommate at the time. Mm -hmm. Not only uh, on the road, but he was someone that he. Not only he remembers what it was like to be a rookie, yeah. so he latched on to you to be able to help you and you know take you to that next level. Mm-hmm. And I remember him just said, just approach it like any other football game. Totally. He said, it's not going to be crazy at this point. We're on the road. It's a preseason game. Just get in the groove. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing is he played beside me the game. So I really had that mentality of that person having my back. And Mm -hmm. at the time, we had a center. His name was Nick Hutchins, and I went to high school with him. So it was even better. I knew two people that no matter what had my back. So um, you looked into that side of it, it. It was intimidating because I was used to playing maybe in front of 500 people. Right with the Regina Thunder, and mm-hmm. then you go to Commonwealth Stadium, which is at the point probably 15,000 people. Yeah. So the one week I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Like, wow, I'm playing in front of all these people, and then you come home, and you're like, there's you got a packed house for a preseason right. game. Yeah. Everybody's screaming, yelling. Yeah. And the biggest, the coolest part about that was, not the coolest part, I should say, but my biggest shot was when Gene Mikowski went down with, unfortunately, an injury. Yeah, yeah. And Chris Best was getting ready and Bob Wiley goes, You're not the left guard, Dan is. And I'm like, What? <laughs> so I get out on the field and yeah. we had we had a guy, his name is Mark Peranno at the time, playing guard, and they're like, All right, Dan, enough. Your word vomiting. Calm yeah. down. Yeah. You'll be fine. And you know what? It was it was that it was at that point I knew I can have that opportunity to grow because I was going against starters. Right. You know what's preseason and you know everybody says that it's not full go at that point, but yeah. it is For me, when you're 20 years old, you can go in against a 28-year-old established vet in the CFL. It feels pretty good to know that one day you'll be able to earn that spot and be able to, you know, I can do this.
0: Yeah, that's just a ton of pressure because if anybody knows anything about football, the O-line, nobody really watches them or even notices them when they're doing a great, great job. But the moment that something starts failing, it's the O-line's job. And so on top of that pressure, you know, like this is your one shot, your one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. There's an Eminem lyric for you. Yeah. <laughs> but that that is so much pressure for you to to put on your shoulders.
1: Yeah. And you know, really I think sports teaches you on how to deal with that pressure. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you can't get it anywhere else. You know, I watch my niece who cheerleads, and it's the same thing. The pressure that they have of making one mistake can ruin a competition for them. Yeah. Or we can make a mistake every play and it'd be okay. Right. But again, having thirty six thousand people or thirty some odd people 30, 30 30 some thousand odd people <laughs> yeah. looking at you and trying to diagnose what happened on this play. Right. It's the biggest thing as an old lineman, you yeah. you lose one play and you become a bad player. Totally. Yeah. When whatever happened to those 59 other plays out of 60.
0: Right. Where you nothing did your bad job. happened. Yeah, I did, did my job,
1: job to yeah. better than it was done.
0: And the pressure too is if you let somebody go and they injure your star quarterback, you're now Public enemy number one, Absolutely. especially in Saskatchewan.
1: Well, you think about what happened to Darien. There's a mm. lot of it that, you know, holds on to us as old linemen. And then in 2014 of what happened to Darian, Right. And it's, it's tough. But the biggest thing that I've kind of learned from it is, especially dealing with injuries, hmm not my fault that I had a weak wrist or I had a weak elbow that popped out or unfortunately in that situation, you can't control it. It's how many other times has a player been hit or how many other times has something happened? Is it something as an old lineman that you look, you are like, Oh, it's okay. It's fine. No. Yeah, absolutely not. It's one of those things that you're held to like a pride standard of you will not allow anything to happen to that person or the people around you. And, you know, a lot of kids don't know what an O-lineman is when Mm -hmm. I speak to schools. So having that thing, I'm basically a big security guard.
0: Well, you're like family. Like every time the riders score a touchdown, if it's like a throwing touchdown, I always watch. And it seems like it's always you and the quarterback and you're like lifting them up in this like flash dance moment. And you could just tell like the the mutual love and respect you have for each other. Like you're truly family on that field.
1: Absolutely. You establish that brotherhood through training camp mm-hmm. and you know what it's it's bred into us about from the top down mm-hmm. uh, and i believe a lot in that because there's a lot of the times we want to represent the s with mm-hmm. pride and family and what it means to be saskatchewan is a lot was what i view it as right so i want to carry every person in that locker room to the same standard and yep. how to establish that that family atmosphere around there so you know that no matter what, I have your back and you have mine.
0: Totally. So, so powerful. Back to your story. So your your preseason game, yep. you go through it, you go through the motions. What happens after that? How did you make your way from this is your one shot to a longstanding player with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders?
1: Well, it's not really... <laughs> I was I was hoping to say, you know, I was a star and completely just <laughs> yeah. took over the game. Right. Um, I did very well. It was probably one of the best games that I played in Edmonton at that day. And mm-hmm. then I played decently well in Calgary. Right. Um, when it came down to cut times, you kind of just sit in your room. We were at the Luther dorms at that time. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of sit there and you listen to the Reaper go around and knock on everybody's mm-hmm. door and you hope that yours doesn't get knocked on. Yeah. So as I go in there, uh, Taman is sitting at the officer GM at the time and. He goes, you know, Dan, you know, it was a very hard process to decide what was going to happen. He says, but uh, you, you can thank Bob Wiley for this. I guess Bob Wiley told the coaches and, and the GM at the time and all the assistants that if you let Dan Clark go, you'll be losing a player for a very long time. Mm. So I owe a lot to Bob Wiley, right. but I also owe a lot to an organization for believing in me yeah. and believing in me that I can do the same things as a all-Canadian in this league. Right. There's not a lot of awards that I got before, but it's allowed me to establish that I can play at this level that, you know, really stuck with them. Right. So having Bob Wiley have my back and having Taman at the time and, you know, once J.O. really moved into that business office side or the football operation side of it, yep. it's really having that and having that honor of playing with him that you kind of continue to have and want to strive for. And, you know, everybody wants to make their bosses happy. So it's one of those ones that just continues. So at that point, my there was no garbage bag sitting beside Taman. I got to sign a contract or awesome. PR contract. And at that time, it was just like... As soon as I got back to my room, it was call everybody I knew, call my dad right away and tell him. Showing up the first day at Mosaic for first day practice was mm. something special that I'll never forget. And you know, walking underneath or walking to the the right of the store and going past the ticket office
0: and yeah, not needing to show a ticket, not need yeah, <laughs> not
1: <laughs> security not stopping you yeah. and walking past the Gatorade machine or Gatorade machines to your locker is something that's it's every kid's dream and it was it yeah. is mine. Like I, I absolutely enjoy it, but the mentality that I had when I walked in on day one to. Yeah walk in almost 12 years later or 11 years later was that you can be replaced at any second, any second, any moment,
0: and you don't want that to happen. Yeah. So. What was that like to call the audio place you worked at and said, I can no longer set up decks in in cars anymore. Sorry, no more car stereos (laughs) for everybody. (laughs)
1: Uh, At that time, I moved to Warner Industries, and uh, I absolutely had the whole – company behind me yeah um i think they knew at a lot one point that's all i wanted to do so they really weren't knowing I would just say they were knowing they were going to be losing somebody. But yeah. at that point, it was a long shot. Right. And you know what? It was something that worked out. And to this day, they're very proud of me. And they yeah. continue. I know the general manager, Roger Pettigrew, is always behind me and always mm-hmm. you know, looking out for the best for me. So yeah. it's something like that. To have people behind you is what always makes it it's better. Yeah. Because
0: right? at, at that point, you were a professional athlete. Yeah. You were no longer... Uh, chasing that dream like you had made it. You're a professional athlete. You're going to be treated like a professional athlete. You're going to receive income like a professional athlete. Yes. Your whole world was changing. What was it like to rush out of that tunnel or <laughs> bring them out for the first time? It, it, it's butterflies. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's something that you, you don't understand mm-hmm. to have that vibration uh, to have when your defense is on the field to have, try to talk when it is pressure time for another offense to be on that field against yeah. our defense and you're trying to have a conversation with your coach or mm. say Brennan and I are having a conversation of, you know, what's going to happen and you lose it because you can't really hear each other. Yeah. It's something that's unbelievable. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's it keeps speechless.
0: You get butterflies when you're standing in the stadium, watching yeah. people come out of the tunnel during bring them out. To be in that atmosphere, like I can't, like I'm getting chills just thinking about what it would even be like.
1: Especially having that opportunity to, you know, lead a lot of the players out of the tunnel or Mm. um, this last year I've kind of taken a step back and I've come out last. Yeah. And it's just to see the energy that the guy, it gets the guys going.
0: And you've got to see it from both sides in terms of old Mosaic Stadium or, sorry, historic Mosaic Stadium. And now the new building.
1: And you know what? Coming down that tunnel, the new building is, it's something special. Yeah. It's that the way they've put that work into, you know, making it a show. Mm-hmm. And I understand that football is, is, is football, but mm-hmm. also you need to put on a production. Yep. You need, as you would know, mm-hmm. people love to be entertained while well, there's a halftime show yep. or whether there's things going on if there's an intermission. There's there's other things that are happening around the stadium yep. that make it one of a kind. And that's why we're the best in the CFL.
0: 100%. So how did your lifestyle and income and budgeting, how did that sort of change the moment you became a professional well, athlete,
1: well, being a, uh, you know professional athlete isn't always what everybody views it as. Right. Um, being on the practice roster, I think at the time I was making four sixty six sixty a week, mm. plus a thousand for living. I believe at the time. Okay, so able to have that thousand to be able to live, you know, I was still at home, so was able to bank that money at that yeah. time. Um, but having that four sixty six sixty again, I left. I lived at home, but a lot of the guys coming from the states, yeah. You think about the money that they did get, and then they got a half it at that point crossing the border, yeah, or while well, crossing back to their bank account or getting it back to the U.S. funds. Right, it's tough. Um, you know, I, I lived very fruitfully. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I I lived it up, especially being at home. Yeah, um, and then I would say probably towards the end of two thousand nine. Maybe 10, I moved in with, at the time, my girlfriend Kayla, who is my wife now. And Mm -hmm. it kind of, it was one of those ones that we we enjoyed it. We got to buy new furniture and stuff like that, things that we enjoyed. And then it really came down to, like, what about after football? What are we going to do? How are we going to be able to establish a future for us uh, and have that opportunity to be able to make life a little more comfortable down the road. Right. Um. So it's it's it changed a lot. Um. Especially with how we approached on what what we're gonna be spending our money on. You know, I know when we had our our kids, uh, Kendall and Cash, it allowed us to you know outfit their room and mm-hmm. be able to have those kind of things. And of course, you know, growing up. And growing, growing through the riders, it allows you kind of to have a little bit more freedom as you wish. Right. Um, but in saying that, it's also, it's it's temporary at the time. Mm-hmm. We really get all of our money put uh, put to us in six months. Yeah.
0: So how uh, does that work? You're not paid throughout the year. You're paid for each game. You're paid through the season. How does that work? We're paid for 18 games. Okay. Right.
1: And in those, so training camp, we get a wage depending on how many years of service. Right. So I forget it. I think it's one to three is clumped together. Mm-hmm. Uh, four to six or four to seven is clumped. And then seven plus is all in different standards. Okay. Um, you have bonuses. Yeah. So one would be, you know, a signing bonus. Mm. One would be a report and pass bonus. So as long as you pass your medical, you'd be able to get a bonus. Um, And then a lot of the time guys are put on, uh, I would call them production bonuses. Okay. Uh, So if, uh, say, a guy makes 10 tackles a game, Mm. he gets so much money. Like an incentive. Incentive bonuses. So those would happen. And then, of course, you come to playoffs and everybody's paid the exact same. Right. Minus PR guys, unfortunately. But, again, now that it's... So 2020 this year, our, mm. PR, our PR guys are paid a decent amount to allow them live and actually enjoy what they're getting. Right. So in saying that, it's, it's one of those ones that unfortunately can be taken away from you, and so that's something that COVID really showed every single football player. If you aren't planning for the future, you're going to be worrying about what's going to happen, and that's totally. exactly what happened. Yeah, so
0: if you're being paid – on an unequal, like it's not like a you get paid the same thing every week for twelve months. Yep. You're being paid on this, this inconsistent uh, schedule. How do you budget? Like, how, how do you make sure that, especially with two kids and a wife, that you are okay for the year?
1: Yeah, we, you know, we try to put as much money as we uh, as we can, especially when it comes to knowing what we have to pay monthly. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to budget for each month. So, kind of when we start getting ready in June, mm-hmm. I'm kind of planning what's going to happen in December, January. Um, and then from there, you just want to continue to be able to put away and be able to pay every kind of month, uh, every kind of bill that you have at that point. For us, yeah. Um, as an athlete, a lot of the time, there's other things that come up in your life. I couldn't imagine what it's like to be an American guy putting away money and yeah. then having to lose most of it. Yeah. So in saying that, it's it's planning for the future. It's it's having making sure that your health care is taken care of, which the CFL does for us mm-hmm. uh, at that point. So that's a uh, that's a little bit decently off for us mm-hmm. um and then just putting away enough you have savings that you can put away for the kids and stuff like that that right. that allows you to plan for their future at that point um and then of course you have your regular you know what's going to happen in say three months yeah so you know, mom and dad have always said, you know, put away that money so you have three months to live. So they're it, smart. It, it yeah. really took over, and it's really challenging for a lot of, I wouldn't say my generation, but a lot of generations to come. At that point,
0: what's something else that not a lot of people know about the life of a football player or a professional athlete, especially from a financial side?
1: Uh, I would say the biggest thing they don't they don't understand is the wages. I think right now are. I don't even know what our base is. Our base would probably be around 50-some thousand. Yeah. A lot of the time, the NFL skews a lot of the numbers for us. Yeah. When you de- describe yourself as a professional athlete, you automatically assume that you're driving the brand newest truck off the lot. You know, you're living in the multi-million dollar house. And that's where a lot of people who understand the CFL know it's not like
0: that. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But in also saying that, a lot of people that don't watch it, it's, those are some times that, you know, it's a realization that, we all aren't paid like the NFL or the NHL. So mm-hmm. so financially it's one of those ones that we're just like every other person. Yep. You know. Yes, we get to live a little bit more grantedly through 18 games, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more when we get our bonus or be able to take a trip at that time. Yeah. But a lot of it depends that our contract can be ripped up at any moment yeah. and it doesn't matter.
0: Okay, I'm going to call a timeout right there. I'm Sorry for the football pun. I'm sure a lot of you listening can relate to Dan's financial situation and what it is like to take an infrequent income and stretch it out for a full year. If you aren't careful or don't plan properly, you can find yourself in some financial hardship. So I reached out to Brandon Carter, who is the branch manager of Mooseman branch, and just the overall nicest guy, I asked Brandon, if someone is getting paid seasonally or infrequently, how can they ensure their money is working for them all year? Here's what he had to say.
2: Yeah, you know, Mason, that's really not an uncommon situation for, for people in Saskatchewan. So farmers, realtors, small business owners, it happens a lot. So really important first step is budget. Um, you know, figure out what your needs are, figure out what your wants are, what payments you need to make, what payments you don't need to make. Put that into a calculator, there's a ton online. In fact, the one at Connexus FTA is fantastic. I've worked with a bunch of them and that one's gotta be up there on the top. So go to our website, play around and figure out what your, what your budget needs to be. The other piece of info, information I'd give you is emergency savings. Put some money away from the months that you make extra so that when you're not making as much in a certain month, you still have money there to be able to get it through the month. One thing also thing I would say is, you know, if you have a credit card or a line of credit that you can fall back on, if before you have that emergency savings in place, it doesn't happen overnight. So make sure you have some of those things. They're not, it's not the end of the world to need to use credit in a month. All of that to say, the most important piece of information I can give you is to find yourself a financial advisor, one that knows you, one that knows your goals and can put things in place to make sure that you're successful in the long term.
0: Thanks, Brandon. See, I told you the nicest man, but he's right. Working with a financial advisor to make a plan for your income may seem intimidating, or you may think you've got this covered on your own, but it can save you a lot of money in the long run. Give it a try, but not yet. We're only at halftime with our chat with Dan. Let's kick off the second half and I'm going to cool it with the football puns. Let's jump into this year and what that's been like for you. Obviously this was uh, supposed to be a big year for the riders. Uh, you were just coming off finishing first in the Western conference during the regular season and Regina was set to host the great cup. And then COVID-19 crashed the party. Take me to that March to May when it started becoming a very real possibility that the season may be impacted.
1: Well, we just got back from Mexico. Okay. So on this point I'm living like, I've got a tan on my body, I've yeah. been working out while I've been down there, right. feeling pretty good about my life yeah. and you know, coming back, um, we just missed when you're supposed to quarantine. So yeah. it was just one of those ones that it was like just a normal time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we started noticing different things, like started. You know, a little more hand sanitizer in the gym at that time. Mm -hmm. And then there's a check-in list of knowing on who's going in there. So it's just been becoming a more realization on how much of a level this is becoming to football. Right. So for me, it really started to strike home is when we got a call from Ryan Pollock saying we're going to be shutting down the gym Mm. facility. And this is what's going to happen. We don't really know. Um, Granted, we are very small. Like you think about it, there's probably less than 10 guys that stay in saskatchewan at any given time Mm -hmm. i know one guy for sure shaq evans is back and forth so those are guys that you know call this their home yeah and it was one of those ones we don't train anywhere else yeah we don't have a gym or we don't figure out what's going to happen so A, the first thing that goes through your mind, how am I going to prepare for something that I don't even know that's going to happen? Totally. So for myself, I built everything in my garage.
0: And it's training for you is part of the job. You need to be equipped for if the season starts tomorrow, you have to be in physical condition. That's like if you are working in an office and they're not giving you a laptop or something in order to do your job. So you have to be able to pivot.
1: Absolutely. Well, the biggest thing that I would say at that point, it's not like having an email. Right. Your boss saying, hey, I sent you an email to get this done. Totally. Why didn't you get it done? I didn't get the email yeah it's the same thing as showing up to camp out of shape right why aren't you in shape ah, i you didn't give me a gym yeah so i granted we we can get a you know a membership anywhere we want but right with COVID happening you can't really go anywhere workout so yeah. i was you know that was my main concern what can i do to continue to keep my body in peak physical short, uh, physical form. Right. Not a lot of people know that as an alignment I and We do work out. Absolutely. So, yeah. not, not just the buffet. <laughs> uh, so from there, it, it allowed me to kind of keep up my routine. It was really having, I was, I held my hopes very high until probably the last week. Right. And then when it came down, you know, I think it was that Friday, Saturday, I don't actually remember what yep. day it was, but it was going to that, you know, we're going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Somebody somebody came out in the media and said they're going to be playing. It's going to be in a bubble form. It's going to be in Winnipeg, but they're going to be playing. Right. So at this point, I'm like, okay. And, you know, I'm gearing it up, figuring it out, everything. And then Monday comes and they say no season. Right. Not only does it hurt as a as an employee, yeah, because you are supposed to be informed of what is happening, yeah, and you're supposed to be in the know of what's going to happen with your career, yeah. You kind of don't think as a as a company that they would do that to the 900 and some employees. Yeah, no, that's just players wise. Right. Right. So in that situation, at that point, how do you pivot? Yeah. Where do you pivot? Granted, uh, you know, the Red Cross work that I've done it allowed me to do Zoom calls with the kids and being able to be able to present and still do the normal things that I would do through an off season that allowed me to do that.
0: Right. And typically you would go to like schools, right? Typically I'm putting putting
1: 10,000 kilometers in a year to be able to go do the Red Cross. Like imagine no bullying. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things that I live by is control what you can control. Right. So after, as soon as i you know, I heard the season was canceled, it's what are you going to do? How are you going to be able to provide for your family? Yeah. You're, lump sum of your money that you're expecting from june to let's go november 22nd would have been the great cup is my guess right so from that june to november your payments are really in in your mind at that point you're taking care of you're planning for what you want to do for the rest of 2020 or 2021 at that point so what's the pivot where do you even start like that's
0: six months of income that you thought you had that is just kind of wiped away in a day
1: and that is not only just six months That's. That's a whole year. Yeah, totally. You, yeah, right? that's 12 months. Because you're only getting paid for six months of the year. Absolutely, yeah. So you you have to completely change of what's going to happen. What are you going to be able to budget? What How are you going to be able to do Granted, the biggest thing that helped us as a family was not only Conexus allowing us to skip payments. So mm-hmm. once we've kind of figured out, you know, we're not going to be allowed to have that money. So we're going to skip payments until we kind of figure out what's going to happen. Granted, at that point, we didn't really want to touch savings and we didn't really want to hit the bottom of what we already had. And I've been very fortunate. Uh, I currently work with Ben Heenan out of Heenan Acres and, you know, having that ex-teammate. And it's one of those ones that, you know, continuing that relationship that we have is something that's... It's, it's amazing to be able to work hand-in-hand hand with them every day. Yeah, so tell me about farm. that. Tell oh. me
0: about how you pivoted and, and what you do in a day-to-day style well, to grab that um, income now.
1: Well, I really p- went from being a stay-at-home dad. Well, I used to call my sister-in-law. She runs her own daycare. Yeah. And uh, it would be like, oh, stay-at-home moms are you know really, really <laughs> at it today, yeah. just having fun with her. And right. honestly, uh, having that opportunity to be able to stay at home with my daughter and my yeah. son, it allowed me to learn how to braid her hair. It yeah. allowed me to teach her how to ride a bike. It allowed Cash to grow up a little bit more and see yeah. it happen in front of my eyes where being on the football field, you wouldn't be able to see those normal day-to-day things. Or up that,
0: in Saskatoon for training camp. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Those things that you'd see on Snapchat every day yeah. or you know, get a text message from my wife, Kayla, it allowed me to see firsthand. Yeah. Um, so it that's something that I really missed. Yeah. Um, and then going into full-blown eight to five lifestyle, you know, we were in harvest, right? Like right off the jump, I was thrown into the fire. Yeah. I think my first day, Ben had me driving around and doing some things for him. And then I'm like, man, this farming thing's easy. It's, it's easy. not even like, it's not even hard work. Yeah. And then the second day someone didn't close a bin and I had to shovel a semi load of lentils. Right. And I was like, okay, this is for real. Right. So, and then learning the the hours that those guys put in to be able to put, you know, food on the table for, Saskatchewan or half mm. the world at that point. It's, it's something that it's special Yeah, when you're not around it all the time and you just see it on the internet or you see people, you know, talking about it when you're at dinners and they, hey, how was harvest? Well, yeah. now you know what the hard work is put into it. And totally. I think the biggest thing that I realize now is a lot of people think farmers just go to Arizona as soon right. as the harvest is off and <laughs> yeah. it's far from that. Yeah. And I'm, you know what? I, I enjoy it. It's not a bad day. Yeah. And it's kind of like football. There's not
0: a bad day out there. You said you're a city kid. Yeah. To be able to go to the farm and their second day you are you're expected to be on your game what was that learning curve like for you
1: it's something that i haven't experienced for a while yeah you know i think i'm i'm decent at my job my professional athlete job yeah so getting thrown in the fire things that i don't know how they work or i have a general understanding of mechanicing and stuff like that mm-hmm. and how things work but you know, like knowing what a lentil is compared to like durham or you know wheat and Mm -hmm. it's just like it was blowing my mind like how much and then you go into fertilizer season and then there's seeding and there's so much more to it that the the normal person doesn't understand just like being a professional athlete
0: right totally so with so much uncertainty surrounding next year how are you planning for next year
1: like for me i'm just i'm able to carry on with my regular life at this point i'm back to working an eight to five job or nine to five job at that point. So it's allowing me to still bring home income. It's just not all in a lump sum of yeah. six months. Right. right? Yeah. It, and it, granted, it's not going to be to where I was being paid. Yeah. It, it's going to allow me to really focus on what is important. What do we need? What is a luxury? Mm-hmm. Do we need Netflix? Do we need Crave? Do we need Disney plus? Like yeah. those things that you look at as, you know, I, I can't afford those. Yeah. Are those important? Right. So those something that's you know, has really allowed me to really focus as a family and understand of what, what is important. Yeah. And I think the one thing that COVID has taught us is how valuable family is. Yeah. Or having connection. Yeah. I would say that. Not everybody has a family. Right. But that connection with friends or that connection with someone.
0: Yeah. It was weird after that first wave of COVID, when you actually got to see people in person, it was like relearning a skill. Absolutely. You just felt like. I've never talked to a person before, but you craved it so much. Like you said, you're missing that human connection.
1: Absolutely. I think the one of the ones that I, I really came into understanding of how our world is functioning is when I seen Brennan Lebat at Costco. Mm. Like usually it'd be a big bro hug. <laughs> yeah. And now it's like everybody's staring at you. You guys are getting <laughs> closer to each other. Totally. And then you're like, oh yeah, yeah. like six feet apart. And you know, right. you're like, you always got to kind of remember that.
0: For sure. So talking about missing that connection... At this time you would have been fully ingrained with your team and they were they're almost like your second family yep. but this year it's like you're missing that second part of your family how have you been able to stay connected to your team through this
1: um it's just talking to the guys every now and then reaching out it's not the same like football mm. like the biggest thing that I realize is how go- when guys have retired I think Paul Waldo Chris best Ben Heenan those guys that are retired are no longer with football you kind of lose connection right right? usually you're used to seeing them every single day. Yeah. Maybe it's myself as I get older I take it for granted for being in the locker room still yeah. and having that that relationships that I do have. But yeah. once football is kind of you're done for the year you kind of, you know, periodically reach out to them and yeah. check on how everybody's doing. You know, especially, you know, talking with Cody every now and then mm-hmm. and I think uh making sure Dakota's doing well with San Francisco, things yeah. like that. Those are things that you really cherish to be able to have that opportunity. Yeah, It's I mean, almost
0: like high school where you're done. You're, you you're going to be friends forever and then the graduation comes and then you kind of slowly, once you're out of that routine, you kind of lose touch, but you really appreciate those times when you do get to talk to them.
1: Absolutely. It brings back, I think uh, Ben and I were on our way to Davidson and we decided to call, like I went on my phone and I we just decided to call random Ex-teammates, but Yeah, that's so we started with like Rob Bag, Dressler. Yeah. Uh, we called Darian, and of course, he didn't answer. <laughs> yeah. Not, not better or anything. Yeah. uh but it was really those connections that you had with those guys. And like Ben and I went, "Wow, that feels good." So even that, then it's it's a perfect way to example to say it's just like high school. You get on different paths, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate, but you still keep up that connection. And yeah. when you do connect, yeah, it feels good. It's so good. Yeah. yeah.
0: So assuming next year's a go and CFL football returns, what are you most looking forward to?
1: Hitting someone?
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have 12 months of just oh, pent-up yeah, rage, right? pent up,
1: pent up rage, yeah, just uh, pent-up rage. No, I'd say you'd be able to see my son run on the football field for the yeah. first time, granted, hopefully restrictions lift again, and mm-hmm. you know I can have him out on the field, and we can run around a little bit, but it's not the same like after a game. Um, to be able to come out still in my – Half my uniform and just run after yeah. him. He'll he's gonna love it. Totally. Um, connection with the teammates again is something that's gonna be huge. Yep. Um, but that ability to absolutely have that pent up aggression leave your body. Right. A lot of people find different ways to do that, but as a football player, you kind of that is your only and one. That's your art. That's your art, right? Yeah. You know if one of the biggest things that taught me is when I got in my car accident and the doctor said, this is the thickest skull we've ever seen. And, <laughs> uh, and a lot of my teammates will go, well, Dan knows how to use it very yeah. well. So um, other than that, it's just being able to put back on that uniform and represent the Saskatchewan Rough Riders yeah. in Saskatchewan.
0: Totally. So finally, over 100 games in the CFL playing for the team that you used to cheer for as a kid. Yep. What would you tell the kid contemplating where to play his post-secondary football and planning to lace up his cleats for the Regina Thunder,
1: I would say uh, attack it. Yeah, at any point, you know, you're gonna you're gonna face stages of doubt. You're gonna face stages of can I do this? You're gonna face stages of do I really want to put in these hours? And that attack mode that you have on it will change everything. Mm-hmm. You being able to control what's gonna happen. Right, and not a lot of people understand controlling what you can control is your mindset when you when you show up to things. Right, it's like showing up a half an hour to work every day early or fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing the writers have taught me: if you're on time, you're late. Yeah, so be early. Right. So having that representation, it's really going to take over into being on who you are, and it's going to allow the program that you represented previously in sports, yeah, to now carry over to your secondary program. You know, I will always, you know, advocate for you to go to the Regina Thunder. Right. Go where it's best for you, where it is best for your family. Yeah. Because that will allow everybody to be happy. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, allow you to be happy with what opportunity's been given. Yeah. But once given that opportunity, attack it. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that vulnerable side of being a professional athlete and and what goes into it. Um but before we let you go, I'm going to hit you with some speed questions. Oh. So these are, these are more lighthearted, uh, quick connectors to connect with you on a different level. Okay. Um, first one, what is the last show you binged and loved?
1: Oh man. Uh, it's called Ratchet. It's about a um, a nurse in like the 1960s, I want to oh, say. Yeah, that's new on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Yeah. We binged, uh, my wife, Kayla and I, we yeah. binged it. And it was one of those ones. It's like a Amer- American Horror Story mix yeah. kind of thing, right. and it was actually really good. It was I good. enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, right on. Have to check that out. Um, what have you learned from having a daughter?
1: Oh, the braid hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, uh, e- extreme patience. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those ones that sometimes they don't know what they want and they don't know how to express it. Totally. Um, I've always kind of been a softy, so it's never brought out my soft side. Yeah. But she does have me wrapped around her finger. Yep. But the thing, the like besides getting her to ride her bike the most thing that i'm proud of is the one she gets out of the bathtub is she, you want me to braid your hair absolutely ben, <laughs> Aww, so oh
0: that's so nice um weirdest place you've ever been recognized
1: oh man i don't that doesn't happen very often yeah. so uh let's go costco yeah you walk by someone and the kid looks at his dad
0: Dan Clark, what are you doing? and i situation? just turn on what's up bud how are <laughs> yeah. you
1: and it's like kids don't expect that you're so. just having a sample
0: or yeah you're being recognized that's awesome uh what movie could you watch again and again and not get sick of
1: oh there's so many I, i'm i love movies yeah um any given sunday okay my favorite football movie classic yeah um put up 300 in there yeah That's a good one. Law abiding citizen. Right. Those are all like replays. Love Gerard Bartler. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome.
0: (laughs) Um, Fill in the blank. Saskatchewan is blank. Tough. Yeah. Just leave it at
1: that. Just leave it. Hey, it's (laughs) tough. It's, it's something that's bred into us, I think. Uh, And I'm very proud to have that bred in me through and through. For sure.
0: Um, What's your kryptonite junk food or snack food? (laughs)
1: you you see the size of me it doesn't matter uh you know what uh my kryptonite is if you put down like a plate of sausage cheese crackers pickles like that'll be demolished nice but in saying that like like arrow chocolate bar yeah i think we went through the new phase of the caramel caramel right caramel caramel i don't know how you say it (laughs) uh arrows those are really good
0: addicting Uh, yeah um where would i find you at a house party Granted, um, granted, it's safe to go to a house
1: party. Yeah, well, the restrictions were only allowed five <laughs> yeah. people in the yeah. household. So totally, uh, I guess it depends on what's going on. I would probably be on the couch playing video games, nice. or you know, playing cards or playing a board game. Right, we've, we've become really big on board games yeah. or card games at the house. So, nice.
0: yeah, right on. Um, what's a piece of advice that has stuck with you? Control what you control. I was just gonna guess that. Yeah.
1: It's, it's been something that's been, you know what, Ben said that to me a long time ago and it's stuck with me. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's something that, you know, it allows me to remind myself. I don't, I don't control my fate in football, Right. but I can control on how I'm perceived in the football world. Right. So that allows, puts a lot in front of me. Um, also I, every time I, uh. I put on my on my wrist tape I put fate loves the fearless nice so I want to live fiercely on the football field because yeah. I don't know if it's gonna be my last snap nice so it allows me to kind of not be reckless mm-hmm. but know that if I leave it all out there
0: everything will it will pan out absolutely and last one what connects us
1: love. It doesn't matter on what's going on in your life. If, if you give someone the time of day or give someone that opportunity, I think yesterday I said, so I said to someone that, you know, was going through a little bit of a rough patch. I said, you know, I'm always in the ear for you, mm-hmm. but I also will give you my voice if you need it. Yeah. I think a lot of the time we listen to react. Mm-hmm. We don't listen to understand or to, you know, have that empathy to understand what's going on in someone's life. Yeah we listen to what their problems are and we just react to them just to, th- just to get our point of view across. Yeah. I know I struggle with that every day when my wife, you know, says something and I right away give her my opinion, but it's one of those ones that maybe she just wants somebody to listen. Right. So it's just, you know, have that love. Yeah. Be that person that you listen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You seem very emotionally in And what I mean by that is not just through this conversation, but from what I've seen on the sidelines, even clips like, in the in the West Final last year, when um I think Cody threw an interception, and oh no,
1: Cody hit the crossbar,
0: Cody hit the crossbar. oh, how did I forget that um, first thing he did was turn around and talk to Cody and just let him know that you loved him
1: yeah, it's you know what when you when you see that those sections of your life kind of flash before you, you know, like going to a great cup, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen very often, right, and I've been a part of three, I lost the first two. And I won the second or the third one, yep. but the first one is will always kind of stick in my mind when you hear about the thirteenth man, right? Yeah. And then you win the Grey Cup in thirteen at home, and then you're on the field as a starter to kind of go to your first Grey Cup to become a starter in a Grey Cup, mm-hmm. and you slide slide to your left on the left hash, and then you watch what happens. Mm-hmm. Once the ball hit the crossbar. I really didn't do anything that play. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, stuck out my left arm and slid. And the worst part about it is I knew how much that hurt him. Mm -hmm. And I don't want, I like I said to him, like you'll be our leader no matter what Mm -hmm. I stand behind you. And I love you, man. And that's the emotion side of football that a lot of people don't understand is, is how much does that affect Cody on the way home? Mm -hmm. Right. How much does that affect him mentally as he's sitting at home? Absolutely devastated that, You know what? The last ball he threw Mm -hmm. of 2019 was the one that hit the crossbar and didn't allow us to go to Grey Cup. How's he feeling? Mm -hmm. Well, then you open up your Twitter and it's totally different story. Yeah, right. Or you Mm -hmm. open up your social media and it's a different story. Mm -hmm. But at that point, it's what's important and who's important to you. Yeah, I think Coach Dickey does a good job of telling us to block out the noise. Mm -hmm. And it's everything that is happening in our room. Keep that as your 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 noise. Yeah, everything that's not happening in this room. Don't let that, block that out. Keep right. that away from you because then it will eat you up. In totally. that moment, I didn't want him to be eaten up. Yeah. And I know I, that no matter what I said, no matter what I did, it was never going to get him back to that place of that positive side of him. But yeah. it's always one of those ones that it always, it, no matter even if you're even at your lowest, it's still that to be wanted makes you feel good.
0: Yeah, and especially after feeling like you just let people down. Absolutely. Whether it's your teammates, the, the fan base, that would have just, I think... It's a small gesture to just to say, "I'm good. I appreciate you. You're the leader of this team," but I'm sure that would have made a huge impact. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Him. And you think that's a relationship that you have? You got to yeah. have with your center, quarterback, or quarterback center. Yeah, it's that it's that ultimate bond. Yeah, and it's it's almost like the punter and or shouldn't say should say long snapper, mm-hmm. holder, and kicker. At that point, you yeah. got to have that complete trust, right? And, right. Saying that we don't have that with all three of them is false, but it's also there's a deeper connection, right?
0: Absolutely. Well, just talking about this makes me want football back tomorrow. <laughs> um, so hopefully it's back and we can see back on the field. But thank you for taking some time today to talk about not just your story, um, but how you're navigating COVID-19 through through this uncertain time.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me to be more than a Saskatchewan today. <laughs> yeah Absolutely.
0: Well, that's it for this week's episode and the first season of the What Connects Us podcast. We'll be back on January 6th with a brand new season. If you liked this episode, please do us a favor and hit the subscribe or follow button or give the post a like, comment, or share. You can also catch up on our previous five episodes and hit the subscribe or follow button so you know when we're back in the new year. Let's connect then.